Hi, I'm April Klunkevich. And I'm Amanda McClooney, and this is Her Step Forward, where we share stories from women who step up, step out, and step forward into careers and lives they love. Our guest today, Darcy Hull, will soon be starting her medical residency in physical medicine and rehabilitation after slowly winding her way to this point. The arts, cultures, languages, and helping people have always been huge interests of Darcy. She's always loved traveling and outdoor adventures and was always encouraged to explore and express herself by her parents. They took her and her brother hiking in the Rocky Mountains every summer growing up, had exchanged students, and extensively traveled and lived abroad before starting a family. Darcy has always believed in and been interested in self-expression and the positive transformation which it can bring as a healing modality for all people. That is what kept Darcy interested in the arts and then pulled her into teaching yoga, studying speech-language pathology, and now into physical medicine and rehabilitation. Welcome, Darcy! Thank you, April. Thank you, Amanda. I'm really excited to be here with you guys on Her Step Forward. This is so awesome. We're excited, too. (laughs) Yes, we are. So you have a background in the visual arts. You're making a career change into medicine. That's a big shift. So I would love for you to walk us through your career evolution. Sure. It's been definitely evolution's the right word for sure. (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm 35 years old. I feel like it's important to talk about the age because it's I think for some people, they, they're like, wow, how did you get from there to here in like six years? And it's like, really, no, it's been like, <laughs> I started college 17 years ago, roughly, I guess. So, and I'm happy to be who I am and where I am, but I, I guess I picked um, Oberlin for college because I was really interested in like a smallish liberal arts college that was sort of near home, had excellent academics, but they had really strong arts as well as sciences because I'd always had a large interest um, in the sciences and got really, really into visual art through high school Um, and a little bit into music, but I was a little bit of a shy performer. So I was more into painting and drawing and mixed media and that kind of stuff. So I guess I mostly focused on studio arts for my first few years of college. And then toward the end of my sophomore year, I just, that was when we had to declare our major. So there was this kind of little part of me that, you know, wanted to reach out to mentors and students who were upperclassmen at Oberlin just to see, you know, were there any classes you really would have not wanted to miss, you know, before graduating. And so that led me into some really interesting directions. There was like a history of the English language class um, and a really awesome intro to neuroscience class that blew my mind. And honestly, even just like from the visual perspective, like the brain and the central nervous system is so beautiful. So I think I got really into studying it and drawing because I was using a lot of my art side to study. And um, I just was completely sold and switched my major from studio arts into neuroscience. Um, And it just kind of kept blowing my mind as I was studying more and more. It gave me like lots of conceptual ideas. I unfortunately have made less actual art in the years ever since like switching out of that major, but I still do scribble down ideas and every now and then we'll make something out of it. Wow. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was, I guess, when the major switch from the arts into more of the sciences started. So um, it was toward the end of college then. And I was like, Oh, what am I going to do with neuro? You know, I feel like I can either become a researcher or become a doctor. But um, a lot of my friends who had gone the route of medical school had already taken the MCAT. They'd already applied And I just felt at the time like, well, I'm sort of too late to do this now. So I guess I better try research and see if I can, 
you know, get into that <laughs> and enjoy it. So I worked at Columbia in New York City for a summer um, after my senior year of college and was in a neuroscience lab and definitely had a lot of like learning experiences and good experiences, but ultimately felt like um, I was not meant to be like a career researcher. And so I was sort of back to the drawing board and was feeling a little discouraged. And at that point, I was like, well, I've really missed the boat with medicine and there's just no way I could do that at this point. So I actually ended up seeing a career counselor who used a Myers-Briggs test on me. Oh, and like funny. A, a career book that matched personality types with career choices. Mm -hmm. And I'm typically an ENFP. And in that little chapter, um, it actually listed several of the careers I had been considering, like um, art therapy, art teaching. Um, <clears throat> I had actually also thought about being an ombudsman, and it was just so weird because that was all listed in my little chapter. And then it also listed speech-language pathology. And I was like, well, I've never even heard of this field. What is this? And I realized, well, you know, it uses my neuroscience background. I really get to work with people. Sort of feels like being a doctor in a way, but really focused on, like, language and communication disorders. So I shadowed some speech pathologists and thought, you know, I, this is cool. I really like that I can work with patients in this way. Um, and then I took a few continuing education classes, went to grad school at University of Iowa. And within about a year, it was pretty clear to me that, like, I just really did not want to practice as a speech pathologist. And I had sort of mentally switched into doing medicine. But since I, like, loved what I was learning in grad school, um, and I knew it was going to take a lot of time to transition into medical school anyway. I just sort of decided to stick with it. I dropped my course load down to like part-time after about a year, year and a half um, from grad school. So that's why it ended up taking me more like three years to graduate. And by because of that, like I was able to finish taking like organic chemistry and physics and the stuff I needed for my MCAT. And so after I graduated um, from graduate school, I was able to take the MCAT just a few months later, and I worked a little bit with um, some adults with voice disorders and kids with autism, kind of reinforcing the therapy plans of speech therapists. Like, I wasn't able to practice as a speech therapist because I hadn't done, like, the whole clinical certification, but I mm -hmm. could kind of peripherally work with patients, almost like as an assistant, I guess. Um, so I took the MCAT and then applied to med school and right away got in, which was awesome. Um, I had a good friend who was an osteopathic doctor and she lived three hours away from me while I was in grad school and we'd meet up and she'd do osteopathic manual met therapy on me because I had some lower back pain and it really resolved like a lot of my back pain in a way that nothing else ever had. So I was pretty set on becoming an osteopathic doctor or like a DO. So I mostly applied to osteopathic schools and got into three or four of them, including a new one in Cleveland which was Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine. We had had, um, you know, the school had existed for about 40 years, but in Athens, Ohio. So the Cleveland campus was new. So I was able to be around my family, actually live with my parents during medical school. And it was awesome just to be able to um, flex and pivot like that in my life later on to just kind of continue chasing and passion, which I had had early on and then for a while thought wouldn't be attainable for me anymore just because I had sort of, I guess, gotten away from that path. But med school ended up being awesome. I made great friends. It was wonderful to be around my family. And so now I'm stepping out of med school, just graduated and starting residency. 
Wow. I think that's really fascinating. And I, I feel like so many people and like have this idea of what they wish they could do, but they tell themselves, no, I, I shouldn't even try. They talk themselves out of it. And it sounds like you did a little bit of that, but you eventually came back around and got back to it. And it feels like the right thing. So that's interesting. And you inspired me too to even like do this because I was like, well, you know, I'm just starting as a resident. I'm not really like a full attending physician yet. So I don't know that I'm really there. And you were very encouraging, like, well, you know, every step of the process is a step and it's important and you are where you are. So. Yeah, absolutely. And there's always people that are somewhere else that could use some encouragement, not from the top doctor in the whole entire world, but from somebody who's somewhere else in the process. Yeah, it's true. And I love Darcy that you, you pointed out your age to us and you said, Hey, like this, this takes time because I think that's something that a lot of people, myself included, have struggled with, you know, like you go to college for one thing and then you're like, um, okay, well, <laughs> what do I really want to do? What's the rest of my life look like? And so, you know, I'm, I'm still figuring it out too. So, um, thank you for sharing that. Sure. Of course. And I feel like your thirties are an awesome time. And so I don't know. Definitely better than the twenties. I would say, <laughs> I feel like I do have more direction now than I did before. Yes. <laughs> yes. And more peace. I hope it has been for me. So. so Darcy, you, you may have kind of touched on it, you know, with choosing the physical medicine and rehabilitation. And you mentioned, um, spending some time with your friend for your lower back pain, but how did you choose this specific part of the the medical field and and what made you decide that this was the right area for you to pursue? You guys are full of awesome questions. (laughs) Um, Well, so the day after I had defended my thesis in graduate school, I went down to Missouri. um, I think it was about three and a half hour drive and I got to shadow an awesome physical medicine and rehab doctor and got to see his inpatient unit where, you know, he was working with patients who had just had major surgeries I believe even some organ transplants, some major amputations. And, um, you know, we talked about how he gets to be involved in people's lives in this really amazing window where they are improving, you know, but they're finding a new normal. And I guess that really um, inspired me um, and got really piqued my interest. It's a pretty small field in medicine, but it's definitely growing. Um, I hadn't known a whole lot about it. Um, certainly not before grad school. During graduate school, I got to work with a few rehabilitation doctors. They were always the ones kind of like leading the team meeting or like maybe narrating the team meeting is a good way to put it. Just sort of, you know, asking how the patient's doing with their occupational therapy goals, their speech therapy goals, their physical therapy goals, recreation therapy goals, and sort of putting that picture together and, you know, adding or subtracting any medications that could help the patient's process. And I guess anecdotally, it's sort of talked about as like a pretty creative field within medicine where there's not, it's, it's not as hard and fast, like in terms of protocols, like you, there's a wiggle room for kind of creating. And, um, some of the interviews I went on for my rehab residency placements, you know, even talked about the necessity of talking about spirituality for some patients and, you know, certain hospitals really encourage that because, a lot of times we can't really answer the question, why? Like, why did this happen to me? Why is this the course of my life? And 
So unfortunately, there's a lot of burnout within the field of physical medicine and rehab because I, I don't think I really know why, but it seems like, you know, dealing with maybe chronic debility and disability can be pretty draining. I'm trying to, going to try to keep like the kind of faith and spirituality piece of myself very active and awake throughout my career because I think that it could be pretty draining or maybe even depressing to forget about that part of yourself. So I guess I didn't talk a whole lot about other fields I was interested in. I definitely considered ear, nose, and throat um, very seriously. I, I've always been interested in like the head and neck anatomy and the you know speech and communication and hearing functions, which ENT surgeons work very closely with. In talking about rehabilitation and this area that you've chosen, you have mentioned to us that there's an interesting project that you've been mulling over for a little while. Can you share that with us? Yeah. So it's been like, I think even since before graduate school or certainly during, I started thinking about, wow, you know, we do rehab and we do therapy with patients, you know, across the lifespan and at different times in our lives and arguably for the whole duration of life, I think for a lot of people, social interaction, even if it's just the presence of other people that you're not even necessarily interacting with, I think that is like really important. And when you go to therapy gyms, and certainly there are cognitive reasons that a patient would need to be just, you know, only kind of working within themselves on their exact goals, like not really distracted by other people. And that's absolutely like not even arguable. Like I understand that not all patients could work around other people. But, you know, for some patients, I think it could be so beneficial to be interacting more, um, you know, in a setting that doesn't feel so clinical. So, and a lot of therapists are already doing stuff like that. So I'm not saying I'm reinventing the wheel completely, but certain therapy gyms can feel kind of sterile and everybody's really in their own little realm. Um, And I guess my gut feeling is that that might not always be necessary. So I started to dream about like these like shared activity spaces or playgrounds, activity centers where not only people undergoing rehab, but even like their family members and community members could come and just participate in activities. Like in my dream world, it would be free and, you know, available and just open to the public, sort of like the gathering place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's that in particular is like a very large outdoor, really amazing like playground. And it really entices the entire age span and you'll see like multi-generational families out there like you know infants all the way up to like great-grandparents just like playing together which is really awesome to see but I've wondered like about something like that but actually bringing in patients who are also undergoing rehab and having like appropriate adaptive equipment for them as well and again in dream world land um, having like primary care doctors and like rehab doctors and therapists maybe in offices kind of flanking one side of the facility so that it would also be a workplace, but just like an open community activity center or playground or something like that. So I'm just sort of putting it out there and have been meeting some people with similar ideas and dreams. And, you know, it's like a very long-term goal, like maybe 15, 20, 30 years from now, it could actually come together, but just keeping the feelers out there. Yeah, that's a very cool thing to be starting to form now. And The fact that you don't have to reinvent the wheel is great because, you know, you have an idea of what you want the outcome to be. And I'm, I'm noticing, or I think that I'm noticing 
that people are getting more involved in their own wellness and in community wellness in a way that they haven't in the past. I mean, yeah, like when I started practicing yoga, it was like, you do what? What is, what's that? And now everybody knows what it is. Everybody's tried it. And so, you know, I feel like people are thinking about not just the physical aspect of wellness, but a lot of those aspects of wellness together. And and it sounds like you may not be ready to be completed with this project, but even just working on, you know, thinking it through and talking to people and brainstorming, that's the first step. That's really cool. Thank you. And I love that you also made the connection of like, we need to be around each other. And I think, you know, the last several months that we've all been trying to learn this temporary new normal of social distancing with coronavirus, it's hard, right? Because we're, we're social beings. And I think, you know, after most places had a lot of restrictions and, and orders to stay home, I think people realize just how hard it is to not have those social connections. And so I think that, you know, your, your concept of, you know, bringing social and rehab together. I really love that idea. I think it could be a really awesome combination. Thank you. Yeah, that's the dream. I guess like one final thought on that, like I've reflected on like, where did this idea come from? And another, a summer camp I went to as a very little girl was on sort of like, it was in a farm type setting um, where we got to like learn about animals and, you know, kind of participate in different aspects of, you know, we got to like ride horses and I don't even remember exactly what we did, but it was, I remember loving it. (laughs) And uh, one summer there was a a little girl who was in my camp and she had been in a really bad house fire and she had terrible, um, it looked very painful to me. I think she had healed and I don't know that she was having pain anymore, but she had a lot of scarring on her scalp and her shoulders and some on her face. And I remember my mom has talked to me about, about it too, that I was just so upset about what had happened to her um and I remember that she didn't maybe fully interact with us and it just I guess I've thought about do you have the the friendship circle where you guys live I don't know about that I don't know it might be more of a midwestern thing um I know it started in Detroit and we have it up in Cleveland um it's geared toward um creating social interaction for children with autism and then they're kind of like community volunteers who are also children who don't have autism who kind of just like volunteer to basically hang out with them and be involved in activities together so that those the children with autism can work on their social skills and certainly I'm not suggesting that has anything to do with you know what it is to suffer like the emotional psychological physical trauma of like a a burn but if you are a child or an adult dealing with something that can be disfiguring or you know I guess, to be surrounded by people in the community who kind of come forward and know that they are coming forward with open arms to embrace you into the community as who you now are. I think that could be such a cool type of environment to develop so that people who have found a new normal in their life can find a new normal in society as well. I love that. That's an awesome idea and awesome connection. So switching gears a little, um, we kind of hit on this in your bio, and we know that you love to travel. So how do you incorporate this love of travel with such a busy life and a schedule? It might be different, (laughs) and certainly coronavirus has changed everything 
Um, yes. <laughs> some things for the better, you know, traveling, maybe not so much for the better. <laughs> I have been very proactive about planning trips and um, different adventures and stuff. Um, <clears throat> during my fourth or even third year of medical school, I started planning a month-long rotation in Greece, which ended up having to get canceled by coronavirus. But I just take whatever little pieces of time I have here and there to, you know, look up different like vacation destinations or activities you can do and just kind of get inspired by the beauty of the place and then try to find whatever little corner of time I might have, even if it's just going to a conference in, you know, California or um, Florida or um, Washington and then taking like an extra day or two on the tail end of it or before to just travel around. But I don't, yeah, I'm hoping to do more international travel. Um, it just might be hard to whittle out. <laughs> um, between college and grad school, I got to go to Brazil two or three times, which was awesome um, because I really wanted to learn Portuguese and see the Amazon. And I don't know that I'll be able to travel as extensively as I had then, at least for a while. But I mean, someday I'd even consider doing the Peace Corps if my you know, life can flex for that. I, I think traveling is just so enriching and I, I hope to continue doing it for decades to come. Oh my gosh. I'm just like so ready to travel again. And I'm hearing you talk about Brazil and the Amazon. I'm like, take me Darcy <laughs> with you the next time you go to Brazil. <laughs> and I know that we also share a love of yoga. And so I would love for you to talk to us about the importance of yoga in your life. Yeah, and I totally skipped over that, I guess, when I was talking about the schooling, which is kind of wild because it was such a big part of the whole process. And I think it helped me stay open to the idea of just continuing to change, like the concept of the lotus blossom, like kind of constantly being in bloom. Um, I believe that's like the head chakra. Yeah. I started taking yoga actually during high school in my senior year. I had a friend who transferred into my school during senior year. And she lived in an apartment complex that had yoga classes. So I started taking some classes with her and thought it was really, really cool. And I just felt like this piece at the end that, um, I don't know, it was just very unique. I mean, it's not that I've had like a terribly chaotic <laughs> life, but, you know, it's there's just like a certain piece that the breathing and the movement can help to create or generate, I guess, in, in me and in, I think, a lot of other people who pursue yoga. So I haven't done as much yoga, but I have also gained a large interest in like the meditation side and learning about Ayurveda and like the the ancient Indian um, medical system of Ayurveda. I actually just had my first ever consultation with an Ayurvedic doctor about a month ago or a few weeks ago. Oh, and cool. So made some suggestions for like dietary changes, herbal changes, um, different day and night routines. And so... I guess it has profoundly affected my life and um, I'm still drawing on the knowledge and the wisdom from those traditions and practices in ways I don't even know that I'm fully aware of. Mm. And I, I really appreciate that you sharing that you've gotten more and more into meditation. And I feel like similarly, when I started practicing yoga um, 20 years ago, <laughs> I started for the physical benefits. And I, I thought of it as a form of exercise. And the reason that I've stayed is because of the overall emotional, mental, spiritual 
benefits and um, meditation, I think is a really big key to unlocking those things. So it's cool to know that you, somebody who has also practiced yoga for a very long time, has experienced a very similar kind of awakening to that. Yeah, for sure. I guess another cool thing with the yoga background and some of the like texts and readings that I got to do is it sort of opened the door for me into some other like writings by mystics like Rumi and um, Rabia and um, just some other older texts from the East that I don't know if I would have ever come across otherwise. And there's just so much wisdom and so much to be learned out of those books. You could spend more than a lifetime and still never, I'm sure, finish (laughs) um, reading and learning Mm -hmm. from all of the amazing people who have experimented with life before we have. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. So Darcy, we've had so much fun chatting with you today. And as we are gearing up to the end of our time, I'm curious to know, what's your best piece of advice for women who are looking to take their next step forward? That's such a good question. Well, I guess being really surrounded by positive people as much as you can, um, that might mean adding more, you know, friends and positive people into your life. It might mean sort of pushing away or, um, spending less time with people who like take away your energy or like have unreasonable expectations of you. Um, and not really apologizing about it. I, I just, I remember somebody sort of toward the end of graduate school who was unloading like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of problems on me that were very heavy. And I remember sort of saying like, oh, I don't really think I can deal with this. I mean, and I felt terrible because I wanted to be able to help this person, but it was somebody who had obviously had like a lot of things going on for a very long time and they had sought help from you know, professional sources a little bit. And, you know, then we started going around and around in circles and I was hearing the same stories again. And I eventually had the conversation with the person. I'm so sorry, but like, I, I really don't feel like I can like listen to these stories anymore. They're so upsetting. Um, and I'm so sorry that you have had to deal with that, these things. And certainly it's much more upsetting for you than it is for me. I'm not trying to say that this is harder on me than you. You're the one who's reliving these memories when you talk about them. But like, I, unfortunately really have too much going on to spend this amount of time talking about these things. And and I'm very terribly sorry about it. And and this person actually got very, very, very angry with me. And I ended up defending myself and just kind of saying, you know, I'm sorry, you have these expectations of me that outweigh the expectations you have of anybody else in your life and why you feel like I'm the only outlet you have. But, you know, we, (laughs) we were just friends and hadn't even known each other for very long. So, um, that was kind of uncomfortable, but it felt good too, because I just said, you know what, like, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to be a receptacle for all this negativity. And it, maybe it isn't a person, maybe it's a hobby you have, maybe, you know, you drink a little bit too much, maybe you uh, smoke a little bit too much, I don't know. Um, but I think there are lots of sources for um, energy drains in our lives. So I guess trying to identify whatever those sources are for you, and trying to just turn the dimmer switch down. You know, I guess I'm not super into cold turkey changes unless you really need to, but just trying to turn the dimmer switch up on things that make you feel good, energized, positive. Maybe it's taking walks, maybe it's writing, maybe it's laughing with your family or friends. Um, Maybe it's volunteering. 
Um, maybe it's something like yoga. Maybe it's something like, you know, boxing. I don't know. But just try to really notice yourself. And maybe that's where the whole meditation piece comes back into it. Um, noticing your reactions and your feelings about things and not judging yourself, but taking that as your own innate wisdom as to what is a, you know, positive thing, like what is the light that you should walk toward and move toward in your life versus what are the negative things, the hurtful things that you should try to walk away from, um, you know, if they really aren't serving you or anybody you love in a positive way. Because you have to carve out space for yourself um, for change to be able to happen or to bring newness in. I think that's great advice to be aware of, you know, where you stand and what's going on in your life and, and to notice those small things that need some improvement. And like you said, make those small changes. It doesn't have to be a drastic cold turkey change. So I like that a lot. Thank you. You guys have been so fun to talk with. <laughs> Yay. We've loved having you on Darcy. Thank you for being here. Yes. I appreciate the invite. Of course. With that, we want to say thanks to everyone for joining us today. And again, thank you again, Darcy, for taking the time to share your story with us. As always, we're looking forward to sharing more stories soon. In the meantime, check out our website at herstepforward.com or follow us on Instagram at herstepforward for all the latest updates. If you'd like to reach out to us, shoot us a message on Instagram or email us at info at herstepforward.com. See you next time.